Welcome to the Crossroads Church Sermon Podcast. The following message is meant to help intersect your road with God's road. Crossroads Church gathers to discover God, grow in Him, and reach out to others. For more information, visit crossroadsstjames.life. Last week, uh, we came to the end of chapter 5 of Esther. Uh, Esther was unfolding the plan she had designed with God to rescue the Jews. Uh, the plan was to have two banquets with Xerxes and Haman. Uh, the first banquet took place in chapter 5, and it was literally to announce a second banquet the next day, uh, which we looked at from an angle of godly wisdom with Esther, uh, as opposed to being afraid. Esther wasn't so much being fearful, but she had this all planned and as far as we could tell has got this all set up. So after announcing that second banquet, Haman, he heads home. Remember, he heads home on a high. Everything's all good. This is amazing. This is awesome. But what happens? He runs into that wretched Mordecai. How dare he exist? And he gets really ticked off, heads home, and... Um, Tells his family how great his life is, but he just can't seem to find any peace or happiness as long as that wretched Mordecai is alive. Uh, So in an effort to ease his burden, his friends and his family recommend putting up a great big large pole uh, to impale Mordecai. Uh, on the next morning, literally the next morning. Let's put this big old pole in our front yard and uh, we'll have Mordecai executed. And then I don't know if they were planning on getting on the roof of the house or what, because I don't, I mean, maybe they had some strong dude that could just throw Mordecai's body up and <laughs> maybe get it on that post. But uh, that was the plan. And we're just going to, this is how it's going to work. And Haman thought, that's a great idea. That is an amazing idea. So you had two guys at this uh, at this banquet that that Esther had. Haman goes home, kind of happy and yet at the same time upset. Xerxes, however, he lives in the palace, which is where the banquet was because he's the king. And so the the night gets done, and he decides to head to bed. And uh, that's where we pick it up today in Esther chapter six. So if you have your Bibles, Esther chapter six. Starting at verse 1, this is a fun story today. I think some of you are going to enjoy this if you don't know the story of Esther. Uh, Even if you do know the story of Esther, I think this is the part that many people seem to enjoy. Uh, Chapter 6, starting at verse 1, on that night, the king could not sleep, and he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds, the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. We're going to stop right there for a second. So, wow, that's that's not a lot, but allow me a, a little bit of latitude for a minute here as I insert some kind of personal extra biblical thoughts. So you've got Xerxes here. He can't seem to fall asleep. Um, I'm actually curious if Xerxes couldn't slip, sleep because he knows something is troubling his wife. Um, I know the Bible doesn't say that, doesn't give any hint at that, doesn't give any hint that Xerxes is like, hey, you know, she's having a rough time, um, but but he's up at night. I remember when I was uh, a, a case manager at a group home up in uh, Victoria, and um, I think it was, no, nah, it wasn't during my interview, it was afterwards, I'd already been hired, and the CEO of the corporation that owned the group home, um, born again Christian guy. In fact, it was a Christian organization that that owned the group home, and um, we were chatting about stuff. And Stevie and I, we were, I mean, we were early in our marriage. I mean, this this was within our first year uh, of being married, and um, I don't know how we got into the conversation, like 
Stevie and I were not arguing or anything, um, but we had discussed the uh, the CEO had discussed. He's like, you know what? It's so hard, you know, when when I'm going through life, and like the wife and I, we just we we miscommunicate something. We get into an argument. Something weird happens. She's unsettled about something. I'm unsettled about something. But but since he was talking from a place of where he was at, he was like, whenever something's on her mind and something's not right, he's like, it's it's like it's just it's it's really tough for me. He's like, I can't get to sleep at night. I'm I'm kind of up. I'm kind of kind of stuck, and and nothing seems to go right. It's like everything is kind of off, and and like I can kind of go through the day and get the job done, and 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 do the things that I need to do. But there's just something off. There's I'm just a click off because my 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 wife isn't isn't doing well, and he was you know there. He had grandkids by this time, so so he he kind of was teaching us. You know, it wasn't just me that was sitting there, but a couple of us. You know, the idea of listen, the two shall become one is what the Word of God says. And so, when that person is off, you're going to kind of be off. Anybody else ever feel that way? I know I've felt it since then. Man, if my spouse is off, man, I'm I'm kind of off. I can't sleep well. I can't do anything, and I. I'm, again, the Bible does not say this, and to an extent, yes, Xerxes is a bit of a buffoon. But you recall when Esther gets before Xerxes, there's almost this thought of, "Hey, it's been a while since I've seen you," and and he's he almost seems happy that she would come into his presence, and and I can't help but think, you know, that that there is this thing on his mind of, you know. There's something up with her. There's something different about her countenance that day, and 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 she wants this second banquet. Something is really on her mind. And we discussed it last week, that this was probably God's plan. This was God's design to tug at the heartstrings of Xerxes when, when Esther had said, hey, we're going to have a second banquet, to get him to think there's something serious going on. There's something very important going on here. And so you have Xerxes sitting here, and he has this, this problem because his other half seems to be be kind of seems to be kind of off. Um, so Xerxes, you know, he's a bit of a buffoon and he doesn't really know the Lord. So he doesn't do, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't call in, <laughs> uh, you know, Esther and say, you know what, I think there's something troubling you. Let's, let's try to figure this out. Like maybe you and I would, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, when you're having those situations, I encourage you, pray for your spouse. Even if you know it's not your spouse that might be having a problem. I, I wouldn't necessarily wake your spouse up. Um, maybe you need to do that. Maybe the Lord will tell you to do that. But more often than not, if, if, if you're having a sleepless, and I just go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I just pray that you be with my spouse, whatever's going on there, and uh, go after the Lord that way. But Xerxes, of course, he doesn't really know the Lord, and so he's, he's just kind of, let, let's, let's see what I can do here to get myself to sleep. And so what he does is he, of course, you know, he gets some history of the kingdom. He's like, let's, uh, let's have some guy read some history to me. That should surely put me to sleep. Um, I know history has put me to sleep quite a bit. Um, I don't know if I told this story recently. Recently, but if I have, sorry, don't stop me because here I go. When I was in high school, my junior year, I was taking my history class, and my my history teacher was very, very soft spoken. Like he would talk like this, and he would say, "You know, it was World War II, and Adolf Hitler was was a very bad man, and uh, you know he had the Holocaust of the Jews, and it was just a terrible time for the world in World War II." 
it was right after lunch that I had that class. <laughs> I was doomed every day in history class as he would talk to us about history. Heaven forbid he actually read the history book that we had. And one time I'm sitting there and, and every, I, I won't lie to you. I, I passed the class. I got an A um, because I was halfway decent with history. But I would fall asleep every day. And one particular day, I, I usually was pretty good. I, I like my body had an internal clock of this class is 42 minutes long. You better be up at 39 minutes. And so it didn't happen this one day. And I'm laying there. I'm, 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 I'm sleeping with my head down like this. And the bell goes off. Whoa. You know, and you freak out like you do with your alarm. You're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, man, I got to go to class. I looked down. Head was down like this. Mouth was wide open. I looked down, there was a puddle of drool about that big. And I was like, well, I got to get to my next class. Sorry for the person that's got to sit here, grab my bag, and I left. So, so history, as you guys know, can, can easily put you to sleep. But I encourage you, if there isn't anything truly serious going on and you just need to get to sleep, maybe open up to the book of numbers and put those genealogies to, to like the test here to, to really see how good they can work. Let's just read who begat who, and maybe that'll put you to sleep. Uh, so... So Xerxes goes ahead and does this, and uh, he's like, bring in my guy that, that can read me the history of our kingdom and all this stuff. And so the reading commences, and of course, God is going to move in this because God is moving throughout this story, though his name is not mentioned anywhere in it. Es- Esther chapter 6, verse 2, the reading begins, and it was found written... How Mordecai had told about Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold and who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's young man who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the court or the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Remember, he had to be in the outer court because you couldn't just come into the inner court without being invited. So somehow the outer court is there and Xerxes can see uh, what's going on as as someone is standing out in the outer court. And so he's like, hey, Haman's here. Uh, Verse 5, and the king's young men told him Haman is there standing in the court and the king said let him come in so Haman came in the king said to him what should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor and Haman said to himself whom would the king delight to honor more than me and Haman said to the king for the man whom the king delights to honor Let royal robes be brought, which the king has worn, and the horse that the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown is set. And let the robes and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials. Let them dress the man whom the king delights to honor, and let them lead on the horse or lead him on the horse through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor." Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. 
So Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai and led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Verse 12, Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. Now, for those of you that have been with us and that know how much Haman hates Mordecai, the dude was on his way to get the king's permission to say, hey, you mind if I stick Mordecai on a pole? And he gets there. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. Is it not? I mean, it's it's not good that, that Haman wanted to kill Mordecai. But it is hilarious how God would make something like this happen. Hey, I can't get to sleep. Let's read this history. Nothing's ever been honored. For, uh, Mordecai has never been honored for this. Well, great. Haman's here. Let's see what he would think. He's my second in command. What should we do? Oh, it's he's talking about me. Nope. He goes off to he goes off to uh, uh, to 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 Mordecai instead of Haman. In all seriousness, though, let's go back to what we were talking about last week. Mordecai had a righteous anger, learning of the pronouncement of the annihilation of the Jews. But what did Mordecai do? Did Mordecai go to Esther and say, hey, you got to take Haman out. This guy needs to die. I mean, he wants to threaten to kill us. We need to kill that guy. That's what we need to do. No, Instead, he did what we're supposed to do when we get into when we get angry in various situations. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21 says this: Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Haman, friends, as you all know, was overcome by evil. Hence, the only thing he could think of in his anger was death, murder, and genocide. That's all he had. He was completely overcome by his anger. He was completely overcome by, by the evil of this world. He knew nothing about God, didn't care anything about God. And so that evil and that anger and that, that frustration just got to him and it ate him from the inside out, as we talked about last week. Mordecai, on the other hand, though he was angry, I'm sure he was very angry as he saw this. Remember, he puts on the, uh, the, the sackcloth and puts on ashes, goes to the king's gates when he's not supposed to be wearing those kinds of things and says, I don't give a rip. I am really ticked off at my government that they would do something so stupid, so terrible as to want to take us out. He was not overcome by evil. Hence, the good that he does is he goes to Esther to convince her that she's the only one that has access to the king to get him to stop the annihilation. At no point, at no point does he ever plot to have Haman killed. He doesn't even rip on Haman. He doesn't even make fun of the guy. Remember when asked by the other men at the king's gate why he doesn't bow to Haman, Mordecai's only response was nothing about Haman, actually. The only response he would give him, he didn't ridicule him, he didn't insult him, he didn't express jealousy for Haman's position, can't believe this dude is second in command. He does none of that. His only response was that he, Mordecai, was a Jew. That's all it was. That's all he said. Why don't you bow to Haman? Why don't you do all these things that the king has commanded? Why don't you do that kind of stuff? 
I'm a Jew. That's all it was. It's almost like I don't even care about Haman. It's the fact that his people are evil towards our people, towards my people, towards who we are. But he doesn't even mention that. He just says, I'm a Jew. He doesn't come against him, doesn't do any of that stuff. What does Christ say? Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, in the middle of the Beatitudes, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, if you want to get technical, Mordecai and Haman definitely were not brothers. <laughs> they were not brothers. Jesus talks about this. If you say these kinds of things to a brother, this is, this is what, you're, what you're going to be bound for. Never mind the fact that you shouldn't murder. If you even allow this anger and this hatred into your heart towards other people who would consider themselves followers of Christ, this is what it is. Mordecai and, and, and Haman weren't brothers, so Mordecai probably could have let her rip with the insults, but instead he allowed the wisdom and goodness in him to overcome those thoughts. He allowed God to overcome and say, you know what, I'm just going to say I'm a Jew, I'm still not going to bow to this guy, I'm still not going to honor this guy because he is an enemy to the people of God, and so I'm just going to continue on with my life and do what I'm supposed to do I'm not going to rip on the guy. I'm not going to yell at him. I'm not going to scream at him. I'm not going to tell him how much I hate him, how much I'm disgusted by him, whatever it may be. He's not going to do any of those things. I'm going to allow God to overcome my thoughts. As Ephesians 4.26 tells us, you can be angry, but do not sin in that anger. Do not sin in that anger. You can be angry. You can be frustrated with the situation. Listen, friends, whatever situation you're in, Leave it at the feet of God and follow the Lord in obedience. Leave the wrath and the vengeance to him. Never mind the power. You don't know the hilarity you might be squelching by taking matters into your own hands. I think I'm going to do it this way. God always does it better. God always does it way better than we can. If there is, if there is vengeance in line, if there is, you know, people getting their up and comings back to them, if there is a payback in line, we as humans typically are terrible at it. God is perfect at it. He knows exactly what to do. And this story is a great example of that. I want to take out the man of God is what Haman is saying. And God says, no, you're not. I'm going to take you out. Actually, I'm sorry, didn't mean to give that away yet. <laughs> Most of you know that story anyways. But anyways, the, the truth is, he's like, no, you're not going to do that. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, we get to heaven. I want to know this, this, and this. I want to know, you know, who shot JFK. I want to know, you know, <laughs> that's all I can think of off the top of my head. But anyways, all these mysterious things, you know, what, what happened here and, and those kinds of things. There's a small piece of me. I mean, I know I'm nobody important or anything big. You know, I don't think anybody wants me dead. I mean, Maybe there's a couple people. Maybe if I didn't give them the correct money at the bank or something, I don't know, maybe they're really ticked off. <laughs> but there's a piece of me that when I get to heaven, I just want to say, so God, what, what were the times that you totally protected me from falling off the edge of a cliff and I didn't even know I was on the edge of the cliff? What were the times that, that someone had it out for me, but you protected me? You sent an angel. You sent your spirit. You sent whatever. Mordecai had no clue 
that Haman was on his way to, to get this death sentence to happen. And God comes in, shows up without Mordecai doing anything and says, listen, you're not going to kill Mordecai. In fact, you're going to honor the dude. You're going to lift him up for something that happened years ago. And he's rescued and he's able to live. He's able to survive. I've always been curious about that kind of stuff. And so we see what God can do when we leave those things in his hands. Listen, friends, if you get frustrated, if you get angry, if you're having a hard time, no matter what it is, job, school, uh, uh, hopefully not your spouse. Hopefully it doesn't get to that point. You know, it's, it's, but, but leave it at the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to let you take care of this situation, and I'm just going to follow you in what you have called me to do. I'm not going to ridicule those guys. I'm not going to rip on those folks. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to let everybody know in the world of, of how ticked off I am. Listen, friends, Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media you got out there, I mean, people just love to tell, one, that they're angry, and two, who they're angry with. Everybody gets to know. Look at everything that I'm mad about. I don't know if anybody's happy out there. I don't think they are, but I could be wrong. But <laughs> there's so much anger, so much frustration out there. Listen, you button up your lips, you keep it quiet, and you say, Lord, I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to follow you in all that I do. Just look and see what the Lord does. Again, you have no clue. Skip the power and the might and the, the crazy things that God can do. And just look at some of the hilarious situations you can miss out on. You know, someone had a plan and instead God changes it to what it is. So Haman heads home absolutely dejected. Um, and so as we look at the end of this chapter, um, I want to go back to, to the husband and wife thing. So just as we kind of had a twist here for Haman, I kind of want to twist this a little bit. Maybe you wouldn't be seeing this in this story, in this particular chapter. Um, but I want, to, I want to talk about the wives of, uh, within the book of Esther. There are three wives mentioned in this story. And listen, all three are better than their husbands. Okay. The funny thing is, is there's only two husbands. So that's, that's even crazier. So have fun with that. Anyways. Um, but all three wives mentioned by name, all are better than their husbands. First, he had Vashti who had some sense of mo modesty and said, listen, Xerxes, I'm not going to dance in front of your drunken buddies. And what happens? She gets all ticked off and has her deposed. And so we've got Esther. Esther, the other wife mentioned, whom we are in the middle of seeing things happening. And uh, maybe in a couple weeks we'll, we'll see, you know, what the Lord is about to do through Esther and, and her obedience. And then we've got the third wife, maybe if you don't remember, but last week we were told of Haman's wife, Zeresh. Haman's wife, Zeresh. Let's talk about Zeresh for a second here. The fact that she was named as she was in chapter 5, would give us the understanding that she is actually spearheading any decision being discussed amongst the group. Remember, when, when he gets, you know, when he sees Mordecai, he's all ticked off, gets home, it says, you know, he had his, 
he had his sons, his family. He had uh, his like his people, like like his attendants, I guess you could say, his cabinet, if you would, and then his wife Zeresh. And the fact that they name her means that probably the sons are definitely not going to question dad at all because, well, we want whatever he's got, so we don't want to tick him off. The guys that surround him are probably a bunch of yes men. Same kind of thing. We don't really want to tick him off, so we'll just kind of do this. Zeresh, I'm the wife, so everybody knows that I'm the boss. So she probably is spearheading, right? Amen, gentlemen. Just say amen. Have a good evening tonight. Anyways, um, Zeresh is probably spearheading this thought of, well, this is probably what you need to do. She is probably the one that spearheads the idea of, hey, listen, you're having a really rough time. It sounds to me like you probably just need to eliminate Mordecai. She is probably the one spearheading this and those decisions that they're, that, they're, that they're saying here. Now, listen here. Let me throw out this backdrop before I say what I'm about to say, okay? Listen to this backdrop. Please understand. First, she does not know God or follow him as far as we can tell. Zeresh doesn't know anything about God. We don't even know if Zeresh is an agagite like like her husband is. We don't we we literally don't know anything about Zeresh except her name and that she's his wife. Second, we have to step back from the United States in 2023 AD and understand that any moral, ethical, and or spiritual decisions made will be at the mercy of what she was taught by her father, but even more so by her husband. So anything she knows about ethics, anything she knows about morality, anything she knows about that is, is going to be at the mercy of whatever that husband was teaching her or what her father had taught her prior to meeting her husband. We don't have to get into a huge discussion on that. Just understand that that's how it worked, you know, 2,500 years ago, okay? So, so the decisions that she made are, are going to veer towards the side of evil. Okay, so with all that as a backdrop, hear out my bad good example of Zeresh. She supports her husband, and that's good. She supports her husband. She saw his anguish back in chapter 5 and wanted to do something to help him, and that's where the bad comes in. Okay, let's, let's be honest. That's where the bad comes in. Honey, you're so distraught by this situation. This is terrible. Maybe the best thing for you is to kill Mordecai. That's horrible. That's terrible. I get it. But on the same time, on the flip side is it's good because she's supporting him. She's like, you know what? I want my husband to do better at what he's doing. I want him to feel good. I, I want him to be able to sleep at night. I want these kinds of things to happen. So I'm going to do what I can to support him. But of course, the bad comes in with the evil thought of you should kill Mordecai. So don't forget the backdrop. She's supportive. However, She's not stupid. Look at verse 13 of Esther chapter 6. Haman heads home. Absolutely, if he was dejected the day before, he's super dejected this time. Verse 13, and Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, if Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the Jewish people. You will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. 
And then verse 14, while they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. Oh, yeah, there's that second feast that I'm supposed to go to. Shoot. We'll get more to that in the next time. But listen, Zeresh understood what was going on. The short version, honey, you're in trouble. This isn't good. Apparently, Haman didn't mention that Mordecai was a Jew <laughs> to the family and to everybody. When he came up with the original plan of annihilating the Jews, the family must not have known he's, he's really ticked off with Mordecai, and Mordecai is a Jew because they say, if he is a Jew, you're in trouble. This isn't going to happen. Xerxes isn't just going to lop off the head of, of a guy who he just honored. You are in a lot of trouble. And who knows, maybe if he would have mentioned that, their advice about Mordecai might have been a little bit different the night before. Maybe if they knew the situation more, more so that the Haman had such a hatred for Mordecai and that Mordecai was an actual Jew, maybe they would have thought about something different, but, but that's, that's on Haman. But, but here's the deal. You see this with Zeresh. Zeresh may have been evil in her thoughts, may have had problems there, but she still supported her husband. And then when, when the rubber hit the road and she understood and noticed this is not a good situation, what did she do? She spoke up. She said, listen, if he's a Jew, you're in trouble. She didn't stand back. She didn't sit back and say, well, let's give this a try anyways. Let's give it a whirl and see if you can make this happen. She comes back and says, this is not going to go good for you. So with that today, well, let's close this. First of all, for the wives in the room and maybe the future wives, you have the Holy Spirit in you, making you light years ahead of Zeresh. <laughs> light years ahead of Zeresh by, by having God with you. Listen, ladies, support your husband. Encourage him. Build him up with good, not evil. Don't, don't encourage him to kill anybody. Um, I know it, sometimes it might be hard. You might be like, ah, that might actually sound like a good idea. Um, encourage him, build him up. Leave the groups, leave the social media pages, leave those things that, that turn into husband gripe fests, that turn into, man, can you believe my husband's such an idiot, such a moron? Can you believe my husband does this and those kinds of things? Leave those things. Get away from those things. Do not be afraid to use the wisdom God has given you to speak truth and life to him. Zeresh didn't have God in her. So though she spoke the truth to Haman about his eventual fall, she can't speak life. She cannot speak life. With the Spirit of God in you, you can do both. You can speak truth and you can speak life to your husband. And I encourage every single wife in here to do that. Do that. Encourage your husband. Build him up. Get, you know, if, if, if some of you are struggling with, you know, with with friends, quote unquote friends that are just ripping on your their husbands and tearing people down and those kinds of things. Leave those groups. Get get out of those situations. Learn not not learn, but see what can happen when you say, you know what, Lord, I love my husband to death and I want to see him do great in all that he does. So Father, I'm just going to encourage him and I'm going to build him up. Wives, do that. Do that. See what can happen. If, if Zeresh happened to get it right, there is no reason. 
that a woman with the spirit of God in them cannot get it right. Wives, do that. Husbands, you're not getting away with this here. Future husbands, too. When your wife speaks, actively listen. Have you guys heard that term, active listening? Actively listening. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to get stoned by some men, I think, by the time this is done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, my office is back there. Um, active listening. Um, don't fall into the trap, and, and I've fall, we've all fallen into the trap, <laughs> where you're just thinking about the next thing to say. Don't do that. Listen to what she has to say. Hear her words. Actively listen. Stick them in your brain. Get it. And if the Lord gives you a word to speak in response, speak it in love, no matter what it is. If, if she says something, and maybe you disagree with it, maybe there's something there, and maybe the Lord will prompt you, hey, listen, you need to, say, you need to, you need to hear from the Lord, and you need to speak it properly. But, I'll be honest with you, about 90% of the time, maybe 99% of the time, whatever she's saying, you're going to want to take that, let her know, I need to pray and think on that a little bit, and then do that. Think and pray on the words that she says, and then go to bed and never talk about it again. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) Then you come back. And you talk. Most of the time, it'll probably be, you know what? You're right. <laughs> You're right. The Lord was speaking through you. And now I need, I need to follow what the Lord has called us, you know, both of us too. And I need to follow that. Listen, your life it will it will be so much more powerful your your marriage will be so much powerful just doing these things if like i said if zeresh can kind of get it right and she doesn't even know god there is no excuse for those of us that know god that have the spirit of god in us to get this wrong i encourage you to encourage each other, to build each other up, to listen actively, to say, yes, I understand what you're saying. And, and you know, I've, I've done it before. I, and I've, I've tried to fix this. Stevie and I, we don't get into a lot of big fights. But there have been times when we've gotten into those arguments. And I work it out in my head perfectly fine. And I'm good. And then I go to bed. <laughs> I'm good. She's not good. She's still going through her mind. She's like, this, I still got to say this, 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 and this. I'm like, I, I, I got it all in my head. I'm good. I'm playing. I, I can go to sleep tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. Very much of the opposite of what I was talking about earlier in the message. <laughs> I'm good to go. So I think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. I got to work in the morning anyway. So that's, that's how that works. We got to make sure that we open up and we communicate with each other. So even when those situations come up and maybe you figured it out and everything's good, we need to come back and say, here's the deal. I've, I've kind of worked this out. Not really what do you think, but, 
but let's let's work this out together. Let's let's make this happen. The Lord has spoken, and and I want to follow Him in all that He does, and all that the Lord wants us to do within our marriage, within our family, and to be able to do that. So. I hope that's a little bit of a twist for you, kind of like Haman did as he was sitting in the outer courts of, of, of the palace, ready to, to take out Mordecai, and uh, it ends up turning on him. Maybe that maybe turned on you a little bit. You don't hear a lot, a lot about Zeresh. I mean, I, I don't recall ever hearing a sermon on Zeresh in the story of Esther, um, and who knows, maybe I, I broke a lot of biblical study laws and rules and stuff like that. Um, but, but do understand, yes, Zeresh was evil. She did not know God, but she was able to partially get it right and uh, tried to try to help out in the situation. For those of us, again, that know the Lord, that have the Spirit of God, there is, there is no excuse. And we need to be building each other up, encouraging our marriages. I mean, marriage is like the most used metaphor within the Word of God, all the way from the beginning. You know, what was, what was idolatry compared to? adultery. I mean, it was, it's, it's always there. It's, it's always sitting there. God gave us this as an example, not saying that for the single folks, there's no hope. It's just, you just kind of have to just continue on with life and say, well, I may not be married, but I can, I can still follow God. I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly strong in what the Lord has called me to. But, but for those of you that are within, in the marriage realm to understand and see what God has called you to in that, in that aspect, in that idea. And with the spirit, you can make it work. It can happen and it can be strong. So why don't you stand with me today as we go ahead and close up this message, close up this service today. Again, we, we talked about it last week. We saw the, the, the better example in Mordecai when it came to dealing with frustrating, angry situations. Lay it at the feet of God and see what he would do with it. And then, again, kind of throwing you for a little bit of a loop here, encouraging that marriage relationship for those that are in that situation. So as we pray today, go after the Lord in either one of those situations. If you need help still, you know, just, Lord, help me to, to deal with my anger. Help me to deal with my frustrations in the proper way. Uh, or if it really is, Lord, help me in my marriage. Help me as I, as I encourage my spouse, as I build up my spouse. And uh, if you're not married uh, and you're planning to be married, just pray for the future on that to understand those situations if, if that's the case.